everyone. I'm going to mention this right now, so at the end, if I forget, uh, if you want to join the church today or come for baptism, whatever you want to do, just come forward. Uh, I, my mind goes into a thousand different places sometimes, and I forget. I wrote it on the back of my message so that when I got there, I'd see it. Uh, but I may not see it because everything happens so fast. Take your Bibles, if you would, go to Matthew 27. 27. They're talking about the crucifixion. What a great thing. Uh, not a great thing. It was a bad day. It wasn't a good Friday. It was not a good Wednesday either. It was not a good day for our Savior. But boy, three days later it sure was. Matthew. Amen. Matthew. I like the book of Matthew. I like, I like Luke and John too. I think they're all pretty cool. The more you read them, the more you get in there. and It's, it's really it's you. If you read this thing, it's all about you. Uh, it shows you how messed up you are. <laughs> Matthew 20. You know, I need a pair of glasses. I left my glasses at home, Beth. No, I got some right here. I got them. I ain't going to wear the white ones with the diamond studs and all that other stuff. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I know just as soon as I do, I was at a church one time and I did something stupid. And uh, the, the missionary had a, had a pair very similar to that. And uh, he, he actually took them off and threw them off in the middle of the service because I said something. I probably shouldn't have said, but they just, it just didn't look right. You know, I mean, Baptist church, men with white glasses. I don't, I don't know. Something Matthew. <laughs> probably shouldn't start the sermon off like that, but hey, man, who cares? Matthew 27, 31. I'm there now. And after, and after they, uh, that they had mocked him, they took the robe off uh, from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they, compelled, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Uh, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they, had, uh, and when they were come unto the place called Golgotha, uh, that is to say the, a place of the skull, uh, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had uh, tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. They parted my garments among them, and, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down there, they watched him. Uh, they watched him there. And set over his head an accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right, one hand, and one on the left. And they that passed by uh, reviled him, wagging their heads. Father, again, thank you for your blessings this morning, just letting us come to church. Just a place to come to, the singing we've already heard. Uh, Lord, the congregational music, Lord, and just a good spirit that's here this morning. I just pray now that you'd give us something out of your precious word. Uh, Lord, this is a, a very important part of the scriptures. Lord, and, and what they sang was a, a very important too. Lord, it all matches the same. It's just amazing how uh, you do what you do. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd bless the, the next few minutes. And Father, uh, uh, just touch everyone's heart, Lord. If there's anyone in here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, I just pray that today would be a great day, uh, Lord, for them to come to know you as their personal Savior. Again, thank you for your Bible. Thank you for a church to come to. Bless the message, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you get you're, The passage here is a common passage. We've read it thousands of times. If you ever read your Bible at all, been around church much, you know it. It's... It's Jesus being crucified between two thieves. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple theories out there that there was actually five because the way he walked by, the, they said the Roman soldiers walked by two. Jesus was in the midst. He walked by two. And the only way you could walk by two people 
is that there had to be two on this side, him in the middle, and two on that side. Uh, in any case, three will work, five will work, it doesn't really matter. The, the Romans were crucifying people left and right. 2,000 years ago when they came in uh, and, and took over uh, Jerusalem and, and burned everything, burned the temple, they were crucifying people on the streets as street lamps as you come into the city. They were just everywhere. Here's a man, here's a man, the most important, I wrote this little note, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ is the most important fact in history. There is not any fact anywhere else on this planet from the time this planet started till right now. It doesn't matter what we believe about evolution. It doesn't matter what we believe about early creation versus late creation. It doesn't matter anything. The most important fact that ever existed was that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus died on a cross. Now you say, I don't know if I want to believe that. And it doesn't matter whether you want to believe it or not. It happened. Now, you may not believe him, but it happened. That man died 2,000 years ago. And you would think, with all the amount of people that ever got crucified, why would this one stand out in front of all the rest of them? You ever thought about that? 2,000 years, this particular crucifixion stuck out like a sore thumb. There was, if there was five people, two malefactors, two thieves, and Jesus in the middle, how and Bar Barabbas, I'm going to get into Barabbas for a second here, but... Why, why isn't the other four of any value or any importance? How come they don't have the story? All the thieves on the cross were a blessing, and the one said, hey, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, today thou shalt be. I mean, the Lord being crucified on the cross, hanging there in pain and agony, beat within an inch of his life, and he looks at him and says, today, he still cared enough about somebody that he could still say, today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. I'm telling you, I can, I can see him lifting himself up and say, hey, you will be with me shortly. Why would this particular one, Isaiah 53, oh, man. If you read that thing, it, it, I'm just going to hit some highlights, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all, and he has made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in, in his death. He, that, that passage could be about nobody else other than Jesus Christ. Yet if I go back to Isaiah 53, you don't have to go there. I'll just go there by myself. I'm just going to look at a date. See what, uh, see what Schofield put in here as, as dates. Isaiah, Isaiah 10, Isaiah 41, Isaiah 49, Jeremiah, I think I went too far. Oh, this is close enough, 48, 712 B.C., 712, 712 years before Jesus Christ came on this planet Isaiah 53 was penned by the prophet Isaiah. And it was talking about a man, the Ethiopian eunuch, when he read that. He's sitting there reading this, and, and he's intently looking at that book as he's reading it. And he goes, and, and he doesn't know what to do with it. I mean, he's, I can see him in his chariot, you know, just going down through there, just chariot around, bouncing all over the place. Chariots on, they didn't have Monroe shocks on chariots or none of that stuff. That wasn't the smoothest ride in the whole wide world. I'm sure they had some type of spring system. But I mean, you're in a chariot, a chariot, if a chariot's like this, it's usually a two-man chariot, you got a driver, and knowing who he is, he's just sitting in a chair on the side right there, and reading this thing, going, what do I do with it, what do I do with it? The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to hook you right up, and he sends Philip right down there, and the first thing out of his mouth, he's reading, and Philip hears the thing, sometimes you ought to stop before you say anything, and listen to what somebody else is saying, because you can get right where they're at in about two seconds if you just stop and listen to what they're saying. 
I'm already saved. I don't really care, man. I'm on my way to heaven. I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter what happens on this planet. I'm going to heaven no matter what. I don't care what. If I got all my prophecy, future prophecy all messed up, it don't matter because the rapture is going to happen one day and I'm going to be gone. And I don't care if, well, did you believe the three and a half or the seven? Or the six and a half or the four and three quarters? I don't know, man. I just believe that I'm going to heaven. That's what I did. I, I got saved on the back porch and guess what? I didn't know none of that. I didn't even know you really should have been a Baptist on that back porch when I got saved. I just knew that I was lost and in trouble and undone and he was mad at me. That's all I knew. You know what I did? I said, hey, you're mad at me. What am I going to do? You know what he did? He sent Philip down there. I wish my dog would have started talking. Well, that would have been so cool. I'd have had a story like Balaam's ass, man. Pee Wee, I think, is Junior. Junior was his name. If he just said, Mike. If you would just trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm like, dog, man, me and him have a fight. And then I kick him around some more like he did his ass. I'm telling you, brother, this, I, I wouldn't have, sitting on that back porch that night, that wouldn't have surprised me at all. I wanted what he had to offer. I just didn't know how to get it. I didn't know how to reach out and grab it. There was no doubt in my mind that he was not God. There was no doubt in my mind that Jesus Christ wasn't the Son of God. There was no doubt in my mind that the Holy Spirit was part of this thing. There was no doubt. I just did not know how to get it. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do to get it. He said, you don't do nothing but ask. That's all you got to do is ask. Why would this particular story last 2,000 years? Some of the greatest books in the world were written I tell you what, Pilgrim's Progress, I still love that book. If I had two books in this Bible, if I ever got stuck somewhere and they said you can have two books, the only two books I would want was my King James 1611 Bible and a copy of Pilgrim's Progress. Because when I got depressed and, and down, I could pick Pilgrim's Progress up and Bunyan would sit there and say, hey, get back up, man, get back up, get on the path and go to the celestial city. And if I hang in there long enough, I know one of these days I'm going to have another friend that pops up like hopeful or faithful or somebody's going to come up and we're going to encourage each other. You get a phone call or something that comes in and says, hey, Brother Mike, can you help? Yeah, man, I mean, it's an encouraging thing. I want a couple books. I want something that's going to encourage me. You know what I get encouraged about? No matter how bad I think this world is going to get, I still have hope in Jesus Christ. How did that happen? Isaiah 52, 14 says, and as many as were astonished at thee, his visage, you know how bad he was beat? Those other two guys, or if there was five, the other four were not hurt anywhere or beat anywhere like he was. He was beat. I mean, he says in, in, uh, in uh, oh, go to Psalm, well, Psalm 22, his bones stuck out. He could count his bones. He could see his bones. I mean, his whole body was just, just ripped apart all over, and he's still hanging there on the cross and still conscious enough to sit there and look at a man and wait for him to say, Lord, remember me. You know, it's never too late to ask him to remember you. Amen. You know, it's never too, he'll, he's always waiting for the right moment for you to do what you, he's going to wait. He's going to wait, he's going to wait, he's going to wait. He's going to give us all the opportunity. I said, I said that his visit, Psalm twenty-two, fourteen. I have it right here. It says, I am poured out like water. This is him on the cross. It could be about nobody else. Psalms were written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before uh, Jesus Christ was ever born. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. He's hanging on the cross. My, um, uh, my heart is like wax. It melteth in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt. My tongue cleaveth unto my jaws. He said, I thirst. He said, uh, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. 
The dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and feet. How in the world could anybody write something like that about somebody who has not even been born yet and that person get into a position that that happens to him? There ain't no way. That had to be set up. Somebody set that thing up. Somebody knew exactly what was going to happen. Somebody knew exactly the way it was going to go down. And they were going to write a story about it. And they're going to tell you so you can believe it. Amen. There's a story about a man. They sang a song about him. He died on a cross. If he's just a man, why is it still so prevalent today? It's a great story, man. I like him. Tell me the old, old story. Tell it again. I don't care, man. You can tell it till the day I die. It's the greatest story that ever existed. There's nothing on this planet anything like this. Man, you ought to get excited about it. He says, I tell all my bones. They look at me. They look and stare at me. He was beat by but Pilate had his men beat him. Big old Roman soldiers just beat him with a cat of nine tails, just whipped the skin right off of him. And he's hanging on that cross. There's, how is he going to get to that place so he can say, my bones are standing up? Why would anybody do that to themselves anyways? And then number two, how could he ensure all that happens so he can meet those scriptures? This is a strange book, brother. <laughs> This is a strange little book. It has all the answers that you'd ever want. You say, I don't know if I can believe in God. Start reading that thing. And you're going to come across some things that just could not happen unless somebody, you know, I used to work on electronic equipment. I don't know if y'all knew I was in the Navy. I was on the USS Scott, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, had a, I called a friend I haven't talked to in 37 years. Talked to him the other day, but then I talked to him yesterday. And he goes, I heard you talk about the Ponce, but you never talked about Scott. So I said, I'm going to have a whole message about the USS Scott, <laughs> but not today. But I was on the Scott, and I never fixed a piece of a gear without a tech manual, unless I was changing the light bulb on the front. If I knew it was a light bulb, first thing to do is go up and screw the light bulb out and put a new light bulb in. Put it. And if I didn't fix it, that meant tech manual time. You know what a tech manual is? It's a book written by somebody who built that equipment, who before you could touch that equipment, had to have a tech manual tell you how it worked. And whoever built it made it after the tech manual or made the tech manual after the equipment. It, it didn't matter which way it was. They were both made at the same time so that whenever this thing went down somewhere, 10, 15, the Navy had some equipment that I worked on that was 70, 80 years old. Ancient stuff. I mean, ancient. This, some of the stuff was on Noah's Ark. <laughs> I mean, tell you, that, I mean, some of it was definitely 35, 40 years old. I might have been exaggerating about the 80 thing. Uh, I, I, I'm telling you, man, this stuff was like ancient. And you pull the tech manuals out and the paper crumbles in front of you. That's how old the tech manuals are. But you start reading those books and whoever wrote that tech manual knew how that thing was going to come down. And what it took to fix it. When I pick this book up, I'm looking at it like a tech manual. Whoever wrote this thing knew how to build a universe. I've never been able to do that quite yet. I've been around a lot of people. I've never seen anybody do that yet. I've never even heard of anybody doing that yet. But he knows how to do everything all the way down. And, and then he has men down through their right stuff. And then here's a man that pops up on the scene 2,000 years ago, lives a life of perfection. Not one thing did he ever do wrong. One thing, not one. Well, if you get too close to anybody, you can, you can pick out uh, scars on people all the time. You can pick the fleas off anybody. Jesus Christ had none. Zero. None. 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 And he, this story is about him. And he, they got up here and sang a song. I got, a, I got a songbook. There's no other place like this on the planet. I got a songbook. Show me where they got a songbook about Cassius Clay, 500 songs. <laughs> Muhammad Ali. How about Spider-Man? Superman? 
Anybody got one? A songbook? There's hundreds of songbooks with four or five hundred songs in each songbook about a, a man named Jesus Christ. Even the Mormons, as messed up as they are, got songs about Jesus Christ. The Jehovah Witnesses are really messed up, and they got songs about Jesus Christ. I was born and raised Roman Catholic, and they got songs about Jesus Christ. What is it about that man that's different than everybody else? I like those soldiers, man. They sit there, and they crucified him, put him up there. They said, they parted my garments. Here's a man hanging on the cross. <sighs> Don't go away. Love it to Psalms. Oh, he didn't put, there's no dates on Psalms. I, I, I could pull the dates up. David wrote that Psalm, Psalm 22. Just right, ap, right after that, he writes Psalm 23. Obviously, 21, 22, 23. But, but you sit there and read that, it says, my God. He said, they parted my, they, they parted my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. How would a man ever be able to get into a place like this and crucified, beat like he was at to meet all the rest of that stuff, and then the soldiers down there part his garments and cast lots for his garments. You know what this thing is? It's God trying to show us that Jesus Christ is him. This thing is about the son. There is a God. And his son, which is him, God manifested in the flesh. God came down and was born of a woman, lived 33 years, and let them do to him what they wanted on the cross. I'll prove it. Okay, I'm just going to say, first of all, that I'm God. But if you don't believe that, read the scriptures because they write about me and you're going to see me all through the books and you're going to realize if you've got any sense in your head and if you're honest with yourself that there's no possible way, like the Ethiopian said, there's no way. Who is this about? <laughs> is it about the author or is it about somebody else? And you know what God does? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, sends Philip in. And he says, let me tell you about the man named Jesus. You know what our job is to tell somebody about Jesus? Man, I like telling people about Jesus. I, that's the greatest story ever. You ought to get excited. In all of history, this has to be the most tragic event that ever occurred. We were created by him, and we hung him on a cross to die. There's two things Jesus Christ could not do. Two, just two. He could not get away from being born, and he could not get away from dying. In the flesh, in the flesh. Both of those had to occur so I could get into heaven. If you're in here today and you're not going to heaven, there's a way. There is a way. Jesus Christ said, I am the door. There is a way. But you say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that or not. Okay, just pick up the Bible. Verse Luke, Luke oh man, the condemned. I'm going to start. I got about six things here. I'll be done real quick. It's only 12.03. I'll be done by midnight. Condemned, Jesus Christ and the two thieves. Possibly, possibly two more malefactors on the side. But maybe. There's a good possibility. I mean, Scripture is close. It's a possibility, but I'm, I'm going to stick with the three. There's a thief on each side and Jesus in the middle. And in Luke 23, 40 says, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Durst not thou fear God, seeing we are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the words the due rewards of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. Those two guys on the cross deserved to be there by their own omission. Jesus Christ never admitted to that. These guys deserved to be there. Here's a man that came into the world that they put there for us, for you, for me. He had to go to that cross to get to that thing so he could open the door back to heaven. Only God could open that door. 
They said, well, he was just his son. No, he was not. He was God manifest in the flesh. Only God could open the door to him. Nobody else could do it. It had to be him. If it is not him, then what we have is nothing. And I might as well go out and eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow I'll die. But if what he said was true, God came down here, was born of a woman, which I believe that's true. Why would that be a hard thing for him to do anyways? I mean, if he built a universe, what would it be? And then he made Adam, and then he took a rib out of Adam and made Eve. What would it be for him to come down there and be made of a, be born of a woman? I, I told somebody a few minutes ago out in the hallway, I said, when I look at the Bible, I look at it completely different than everybody else. Everybody else looks at it from some stinking filthy university out here and tries to tell them how to think. I do it the simple way. I just put myself outside the universe. And I'm looking in at that thing, and I'm like, I can't do that. He did. And if he can do that, he can do just about anything he wants. And when, then when I come back into the universe, I get into my Bible, I have no problem believing anything I read. Because he can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, however he wants. That means he can show me out of this book exactly what he did. How come we don't get excited about what he Brother, have you ever thought about the universe? I mean, Shatner went out 66 miles. 66, that's a bad number. <laughs> 66 miles, and he said when he got out there, everything went black. I'm like, okay, where's all the stars? He didn't see any. Everything was black. And he goes, that changed his life. You wait till you take your last breath. And you, you're going to see the light at the end of the tunnel out there. It's like 100 billion light years away. And you're just going to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. You're going to be there. You're going, whoa, what was that? He goes, welcome. Welcome home, man. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what was that? He goes, that was coming home. He goes, now, now the party can get started. Brethren, I tell you what, there was to condemn. There was two thieves and Jesus on the cross. The two belonged, but Jesus didn't. Then there was a commuted. Somebody had to take his place. That's Barabbas. Barabbas was a notable thief. He was a notable. I bet you they, these, were, these were men in the crowd watching. Jesus was up there and the two thieves on there. And Barabbas got out of the thing. And he's free now. And I know he didn't go too far from this place. He was probably there just to watch the action at first. We're, we're some sick people. People like to see blood and gore. You watch people watching Super Bowl games. Nobody would ever want to watch a Super Bowl game that somebody don't get broke up. I mean, why do we want to, why do we want to watch that kind of stuff and just watch? Oh, he's talking about sports again. Oh, why do we want to watch somebody driving a NASCAR and run into a wall and get crushed and the cars flip over and they burn all up? Why do we want to watch stuff like that? I got my Bible, man. You want to go in there and they kill people and they put their feet on their necks and whack their heads off? I mean, you really want a good story, right? Here's a bunch of stories in here that you can get. How about standing back, slinging a rock, man, and throwing it through about 100 miles an hour into somebody's head, and then you go down and take his sword and cut his head off, and then run around with a head all day long. How about that? You want some good stories? Man, there's some great stories in this Bible. Here's a Barabbas. I bet you he was sitting there watching. I don't know whatever happened to Barabbas. I don't know whether Barabbas ever got saved. I can't imagine any man letting Jesus Christ take his place that something didn't happen to him. Not that man, not that man. Any other person out there could do it. But you know, in history, there was probably never another man that could take another man's place. Pilate would have never substituted somebody else for Barabbas 
outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he never intended to put Jesus Christ on the cross. It was Barabbas that was supposed to go there. And he thought the common man out there would say, let Jesus go, and they didn't do it. It's the commuted. So you got the condemned, Jesus, two things. The commuted, Barabbas. Then you got the compelled. There was a guy just walking by, and he got in on it. His name was Simon. He's a Cyrenian. He was just walking by, and they needed somebody to carry the cross. And they said, hey, Simon, come over here. I don't know if they said it quite like that. They made him come over and carry that cross for Jesus Christ. So many times they got, you're thinking that Jesus carried that cross all the way. He didn't do it. Simon carried it. It says he carried it for him. Got it out there to him. His name is Rufus, later on down in the Scripture. Then you got the curious. That's him soldiers. That's where most of us are sitting today. Matthew 27, 35 says, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots. There's, there's no way David could have wrote that psalm knowing that was going to happen. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. David was a prophet. King David was a king and a priest and a prophet. He wrote something led by the Holy Spirit. Only, only somebody that could go out 700 years and know exactly what happened could come back and say, David, write this. But he says over, he says over in Isaiah, line upon line, precept upon precept. And then he says in another place, he goes, he says, I know the end from the beginning. I could write the whole thing down. He, he could write your life. I don't know about everybody's life. I don't know if I even want to know much about your life. Uh, anymore, if you start telling people about the lives of people, then they all of a sudden get afraid of everybody. And they, oh, you can't hang around him when all sin is sin. Just to let you know that, it doesn't, any one sin will throw anybody into hell. There's no sin any worse than the next sin. Sin is sin, and it's all condemned by eternity in hell unless Jesus Christ comes in. But these three men, these three or four men sitting down here, they crucified people all the time. That was their duty. Their duty in life was to when they brought them up from the prison and they carried their crosses up there and they laid them down, their duty was to nail them to the cross and hang them up and wait till they die. Just like any other soldier, I was reading some articles about it in World War II, World War I, people would come back with, you see people with lugers and all kinds of stuff, guns and stuff they got. They just, I've, I've seen an article that the North Carolina, they lost the, uh, a copy of the, their, the uh, Bill of Rights and it's been gone since the Civil War. When the northern troops come in, they, they uh, ransacked the, the government offices and stole their copy of the Bill of Rights. Well, here recently, I guess somewhere over in Indiana, somebody's trying to sell it. And the FBI got involved and got it back, and the thing's been gone since the Civil War. Do you know they were going to accuse that guy of stealing the Bill of Rights? <laughs> that makes it kind of difficult, man. He goes, I bought it. <laughs> I mean, how can you accuse somebody 100 years later, 200 years later, 150 years later of stealing something when you ain't even born yet? And you're asking me to trust our government? They're curious. Those men are just curious. They, they're sitting there. They, they don't think he's just like everybody, but they're sitting there. They sit there and they're sitting down there. They, and sitting down, they watched him there. That's what most of us do. We just watch. Never do anything with what we watch. You know what you got to do? You got to get to a place where you do something, where you react. We have a brain in our head that the Lord gave us, which is a blessing. It'll make you think about some things sometimes. And you have to react to what you see. Man, I, every morning I jump up and jump on the scale. I look at that thing. I'm think, I know it's broke. Because it never changes. It changes a couple ounces, but usually to the wrong side. And I'm sitting there going, this ain't working. 
I'm like, I could go down to South Africa somewhere and have them sew my lips together. <laughs> like they're going to shrink my head. Maybe if they shrink my head, I wonder if I could go down and have them shrink my belly. Uh, like they do the head shrinking stuff. But you sit there and look at that thing. It's like, Lord, just, you know, you see it and you know you have to do something with it. But, but you got to get to the place where you get serious about it. I know exactly how to get serious about it. You quit eating. But I like to eat. My wife likes to eat too. So what I do is when I want something, I make sure I get two of it at least so that she gets tempted before I do. And then, then she makes me eat it because she's going to eat it too. She went out and preached yesterday. I was going to get her up here to give her a sermon. <laughs> and she comes home, I mean, with all these goodies, man. They, I go and they never give me them kind of goodies. And they gave her a little envelope, a little check and all that other stuff. And I'm sitting there going, this ain't right, man. She drives all the way over there on my gas. She drives all the way over in my van. She drives all the way over, and they have a fun time, probably got a good lunch. She comes, I thought she was going to start preaching at me when she came in the door. I was going to have her get up here and preach today, but I figured most of y'all would run off if a lady got up here and started preaching. But apparently she did pretty good, man. I said, that's a blessing. You know what a blessing is? Is we got people, this group is going down to Florida, and they're going to be down there for a week or so, and they get to be a blessing and be part of another church to help them be a blessing. Half our church is not three quarters of them is going to go down there with them, a bunch of reprobates you are. Y'all going to leave us with empty pews. You know, when, when that happens, everybody's got to move forward so it don't look so bad. But I'm telling you, brethren, it's just a blessing to be able to serve Christ. Why would we do that if he didn't exist? Wow. What would be the purpose of this if he didn't exist? Those guys are sitting there watching him and like, it's kind of weird, man. I've been doing this a long time. I can see one of the Roman soldiers talking. They're talking in Greek, so I, I'm not going to go to the Greek thing. But they're looking and saying, you know, the skies are getting dark. I mean, here's a guy sitting here, and it's getting worse, man. And this guy's sitting here, and everybody's mocking him and laughing. Nobody's ever mocked all the other guys. They just sit there and watched him die. And all of them, and they, they were all laughing. I said, they used to laugh, but these guys are actually mocking that particular one. This is different. They're just sitting there watching. I'll bet you some of those Roman soldiers got saved. I don't know. I mean, you can't never tell. But they're just sitting there looking at him, and they said, sit down, watch it. They cast lots and parted his garments. They just, they watched. And they watched a man sit on the cross, and the first thing he said is, I thirst. And they tried to give him something to drink, and right up to the end, he wouldn't take it. I, I told him this morning in Sunday school, you know how important your testimony is? Up to the death of Jesus Christ when he was thirsty, and he was losing blood, and he was getting dehydrated by the moment they offered him something, and they, they mingled it with gall so that it would ease the pain, and they could die probably last longer and die harder, but they wouldn't feel it so that they could have fun watch them die. You know why they put them on a cross? is so that they could scare everybody else to death so that you would do what they did to get there and they'd keep you in control. That's what our government does today. That's what the whole world does. Everybody does that. They're trying to control everybody. Jesus Christ never tried to control anybody. The soldiers were curious. But in verse, verse 54 it says this. This is now when the centurions... And they that were with him watched Jesus, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, big old earthquake happen, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. What, what is it going to take to make us realize that he was God? Eternity is looming out in front of each and every one of us. I was going to write a message this morning on David saying, and I told him in Sunday school, he said there, at 20, probably less than 20 years old, he made a comment to Jonathan that surely, he said, there is one step between me and death. 
He thought that at any moment Saul was going to kill him, and he lived another 50, 52 years before he died. You never know when this thing's going to happen, by the way. You've got lots of time to do lots of stuff for Jesus Christ. But what's it going to take to make you realize? You know what David had to do? He had to go through all this other stuff so he could get down on his knees and get a hold of God. I tell you what, man, I sit here and uh, I, I had a house up here and cut a couple trees down. And Brother Steve's been up here splitting wood, which is out of his mind for doing it. But hey, he wanted a log splitter. I got him one. Have at it. See you later. Bye. So I give him my favorite, uh, 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 what do they call that thing? Uh, it's so favorite, I don't even know what it is. Uh, <laughs> crowbar. Do you know where it's at? Do you know where it's at now? Yeah, well, I'm sitting here, and I had to pick up some wood, and I got down on my knees again, pick up some wood, and right there in front of me was this crowbar. And said, Lord said, see, it's twice you got down on your knees and you found what you was looking for. He said, have you ever thought that maybe you ought to be on your knees a little bit more than what you are? I wasn't mad. I was laughing. In the middle of a yard about the size of our backyard out there, I get on my knees in one spot, and there's that crowbar. And I walked all around, never seen it. I said, I'm going to go hide it, and it makes Steve feel bad. <laughs> but the soldiers were curious. They were just sitting there watching, just like everybody else was watching and watching. What is it going to take to make us quit watching and make a decision about him? What, what kind of proof could we If he is, which I know he is, the Son of God that created the universe, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. It says, in the beginning, God created. That means Jesus did it. If he did that, and how great he is, those songs they sing did nothing but lift him up. He, it should, you should have 500 songbooks with 500 songs about Jesus Christ in each one of them. You should have that. Why, he's God. He deserves it. He earns it. It's his. It's a natural thing. Those soldiers knew it. Then you had the critical. Here's the dangerous part that a lot of us get in in Matthew 25, 27, 20, uh, 39. It says, and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. That, that is just a sad place to be. When a man won't even consider, or a woman won't even consider, was this true? Your eternity, by the way, each and every one of us are going to live and die. And when we do, if, if this book is true, there's only two destinations at death. Heaven or hell. One of the two. There is none. And the Lord is sitting here the best he can. You're talking about gracious and merciful and kind on that cross before he died. He forgave that guy and said, today thou be with me in paradise. In a little bit, he's going to look down and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, if you're sitting here today and you aren't saved, you, know what you, you don't know what you're doing. Jesus prayed for you 2,000 years ago that you would trust him. He said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Give them another chance. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If they did, they wouldn't do it. But they don't know. Forgive them. He goes on there and he goes, they're wagging their heads. He says, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days. They had no idea what they were talking about. Save thyself if thou be the son of God. Come down from the cross. Three days from now, they're going to figure out that he knew exactly what he's talking about. Three days from now, he's going to come up out of the tomb. Three days from now, he's going to come up after he dies, and he's going to rise, and he will rebuild that temple in three days. Likewise, also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and the elders said, he saved others himself, he cannot save? Sure he could have. But if he did, he wouldn't have saved us. I could never got to heaven without him. What a blessing, man. And he goes, he saved others, he cannot save himself. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross 
and we will believe him. No, you won't. He said over in Luke 16, he said, if, he said, send somebody back. If somebody comes back from the dead, they'd believe. He goes, if one rose from the dead, they wouldn't believe. If you won't believe this book and you won't believe the, 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 the leading of the Holy Spirit, how would you believe if somebody came back from the dead? You and you, what we would do is we'd say, oh, well, the doctors just developed a new COVID-19 virus vaccine and that brings people back from the dead. That's, all, that's what we'd say. We'd try to give the credit to medical facilities instead of God. You wouldn't believe it. We wouldn't believe it. But this is the saddest part of that. He said, he trusted in God. He was God. Let him deliver him if he will have him. Could you imagine? One day these men died. And the next thing is that they seen God. I mean, they went to a place called hell. And then one of these days they're going to come up and they're going to look right Jesus Christ right in the face. And I know he's not, but if he looked at him and said, if he will have him. And those guys remember the words that came out of their mouth. I am him. And then they're going to be thrown into hell for all eternity if they didn't get saved. John 15, 24 says, if I had not done among them the works which, uh, which none other did, man did. Nobody ever did what he did. It's recorded down through history what he did. 2,000 years, churches, even though we all disagree with each other, still report on what he did. There's no reason not to believe the thing. They hated me without a cause. That's what it said in Psalms 109, 3. And then he had some committed followers. You had the curious. You had the criticizers. Now you got committed followers. You had his disciples sitting there. You had Joseph the rich. He died with the rich. How would he know, how would, how would Isaiah know to write that? In his death, he would be with the rich. How would he know that? He couldn't. It's a true statement. Nicodemus, one of the, one of the, the uh, Pharisees, a master ruler of the Jews, was sitting there. And all the women crying. They were crying at the death of Jesus Christ, which they should. Because they never really realized or understood that he was coming up in three days. They didn't get that part. Then you got the compassion Savior. His intercession from the cross, I mentioned that when he said, Father, forgive him. He's still saving today. He's still saving. There are still people that it's easy to get saved. The Bible says if you, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in the heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know what you got to do? I just gave you the gospel. Christ died for our sins. You got to, number one, believe you're a sinner. I remember on that back porch, man, I said, it didn't take much for me at all to believe I was a sinner. If I'm going to look at him and look at his rule book, and, I'm looking, and it's just between me and him, nobody else, then there's no question in my mind. I'm the sinner. You're, you're God. You're not, you're not, it's not you. It's me. I did it. I did it. I've done everything that I've ever done. I've done. Nobody else did it. I did it. Well, so-and-so, if you hadn't had no, no, there's no excuse. You cannot blame anybody else for anything that you've ever done. You cannot blame a single person. You did it. You didn't have to do it. You could have said no. They could have killed you, but that's fine. You could have said no. But whatever I've done, I have done. There is nobody else I can blame. It was me. So when I went to the Lord with that, I said, it's my fault. What do I do? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. I'm like, wait a minute, that's it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I got to that equation. I don't know where in the world that came from. But I sit on that back porch that one night and I said, hey, I need you. That's what I need is I need you. And I don't know what to do, and I just need you. And if you don't tell me, I'm going to come up there, and you're going to be mad at me, and I don't know what to do. It's like that Ethiopian eunuch. 
He's reading about something he doesn't understand. He says, I don't know. I bet you that if you could have had a microphone in that chariot before Philip got there. He's probably reading and said, I don't know what to do, God. I don't know what to do here. What is this? I don't understand this. How can I understand this? And all of a sudden, here comes Philip. You say, what is that? That's God. You know what God does? He does some really strange things from time to time. <laughs> he just to show you he loves you. He loves you. He wants us to be with him forever. And this is the only way for that to happen. Sin cannot dwell in his presence. It is... It isn't that he hates us. The outcome of human life is sin. And he knows it. He created Adam and he put him in a garden. They're perfect and they sinned and got kicked out of the garden. That is just a natural thing for us to do. We're going to go, what he's doing is getting rid of it for eternity. And this is the plan. And his plan was him. You know, all he says is, trust me, it doesn't cost you a dime. You don't have to pay nothing. You don't have to do nothing. He just says, all you have to do is believe. First Corinthians 15 Three and four says, "If thou," or he says, "Christ died." Right here is the story. We just the greatest story that you ever read is sitting right here in front of you. Christ died for our sins. Two thousand years ago, man died. Whether anybody ever trusted him or not, that man still died. And he's sitting there on the cross, and he's getting ready to die. And the first guy is a thief. And he says, "Lord, remember me." He says, "You got you're in there, man. Number one, <laughs> the first one. I wonder who the last one's going to be." There's going to have to be a last one. If there's a first, there's always a last. After that, they just started, after he, three days later, he come up, and they just started coming in and coming in and coming in. And for 2,000 years, they've been coming in and coming in and coming in. You know what we still need to do today is help them come in and help them come in and help them come in. That's what a church is. He forgave from the cross. He forgave the thief. He forgave. He said they don't know what they're doing. And then he forgave. And then he died. And if it stopped there, if it just stopped right there, then we have nothing at all. Because he never came up out of the tomb. He never came up out of the grave. He's still there. His bones are still somewhere hidden somewhere or whatever, if that's the case. But three days later, the angel said, Mary was sitting there, and he goes, he's not here. He's risen. You say, how do you know that? I picked up a book, and it's just, there's no possible way all this could have happened to him any other way than that. He could not have come into this world by Mary and the angels singing glory, hallelujah, and everything else out there in the middle of the field to those shepherds. And the shepherds going to find the babe in the, in the womb, in the, in the tomb, or in the tomb, in the, in the manger. And then two years later, he takes him down, Joseph takes him down and gets him out of the way so Herod don't kill him. And all that stuff happening, it's all recorded sitting here, and this is history stuff. Josephus has got, there's all kinds of history books out there that mention his, this stuff. And then, and then he gives you evidence that there's no, if you took a medical book that was written over the length of time this book was written, you'd still be bleeding people. You'd be sticking them and pulling blood out of them. But now they're shooting them with COVID viruses. That's, that's how far we come, man. That's how far we come. This book is still the same as it was when they wrote Genesis all the way through to Revelation. It hasn't changed. And it still says the same thing. Jesus came to save sinners. He says, I came to seek and save that which was lost. You know, one of my favorite songs, they sing, I hope one of these days they'll get it. It's because he loved me. There's a song out there that they wrote. It says, on a hill called Calvary. Jesus, my Lord, suffered for me. He carried, I don't know, he carried the cross all the way, my sins to atone. Then they nailed him to a cross. 
Great was the pain and the loss. He suffered it all because he loved me. Then they carried him away, placed him in a lonely grave. Surely they thought that this would be the end of this man. And they thought that. They thought it was over. Seal it. He ain't coming back up. Nobody ever comes back. But on that third and glorious day, God came and rolled the stone away. He rose from the grave because he loved me. Because he loved me, my Savior died. On the cross was crucified. No greater love by mortal man has ever been known. Oh, praise his dear name, he loves me so. Now I am his, he's mine, I know. He suffered it all because he loved me. You had somebody that loved you 2,000 years ago more than you could ever know. And he died on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago because he knows one day we're all going to take our last breath. And he says, come. He says, come. He just says, come. All you got to do is come. He said, ask, ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open to you. Have you ever asked? Have you ever knocked? Have you ever looked? It, it doesn't matter what anybody else has done in this world. It doesn't matter how wicked and, and perverted people are. And I'm just talking about priests and, and bishops and preachers now. The rest of the world is terrible. You can't let that get in the way of your eternal security and your eternal life. Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago. If you're in this room today and you're not saved, you know what? Today would be a great day to get saved. For the rest of us, you know what you ought to do? You ought to say, Lord... Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for Calvary. Father, thank you for your many blessings this morning. Lord, you know the hearts and of every person in this room. Lord, this world is, is just like the calls I got this week, scare people to death. But Lord, you, you died 2,000 years ago that we could have life and that more abundantly. Lord, give us the abundant life. Lord, again, if there's anyone in here, just open their, ours, uh, their heart and their mind that they can receive the word of God, the word of truth. Lord, this book is a history book full of truths about you that only you could have wrote and written about yourself if you had men do it. And Lord, I just pray today that you would show us and open our eyes. Lord, for the rest of us, again, just give us the heart, Lord, to serve you and make those decisions to get on the side and, and just serve you the way we should do. Lord, time is short. I know David made that statement. He had 50 years left. Lord, we may, we may also. I don't know. I said, but we still have some time, Lord. Help us to just serve you during that time. And Lord, most of all, thank you for dying 2,000 years ago. Well, that's the most precious time in history of man is, is the time that you died and you was buried and you rose again. Lord, there's nothing more important than that in all history. And I just want to thank you for that today. And we'll praise you on you in Jesus' name. Amen. While these are praying, let's go ahead. We'll stand and uh, sing hymn number 252. Hymn number 252.